0: I've recommended over and over and over again a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Out of all of A.W. Tozer's writings, and he has written quite a bit, he's gone, been gone. Um, The best book that he wrote, I believe, the one that God just breathed on, was this Pursuit of God. The Bible makes out as if, in fact, it says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, diligently. And bottom line is, if you want to know God, and you're waiting around for him to show up, you may get disappointed. But if you want to know God, the true and living God, the maker of all that is, and you want to know him, you begin to seek him. And that's a a diverse thing. Uh, He'll show up. You'll find him. You will. You'll find him. Backsliding for a Christian is just the lessening of our seeking God. It's when we back off and we begin to read less, pray less, ask less, do less, and God backs off because uh, he's offended. The Holy Spirit is sensitive. Easily to quench the Holy Spirit. It's easy, not hard. Easy to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, not hard. He's sensitive. And what I like about this book is uh, he just brings some very simple truths out. I picked up on one, developed my own sermon around it, preached it in 2011, and I thought and it just hit me the other day again as I was praying, God, what do you want me to do? And God just moved on me to do this again. This is preached February 27th, 2011. The Bible says in John 1:1 and 1.2, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. An average intelligent person, when you read John, the gospel of John chapter 1, you will understand, uh, if you read it even for the first time, that it's, it's of the nature of God to speak. I like that terminology. It's of the nature of God to speak. In the beginning was the Word. What is Word? Word. Communication. To communicate, to convey thoughts. That's what Word means. It's a form of communication. Words transfer information. but Words are not the only vehicle by which God translates information or himself. In verse 3 of that same chapter, it says all things were made by him. and Without him was not anything made that was made. And he communicates to us uh, all things, if I may say, also speak. So he speaks the word. In the beginning was the word was with God Word was God. The Word, His Word speaks, but things He makes also speak to us. They speak, they speak loudly and clearly and specifically and powerfully, intimately and carefully. How many times have you heard people say that they feel close to God when they're out in the woods or when they're on the ocean or possibly uh, on a lake? Maybe overlooking the Rockies up in the Canadian Rockies. By the way, the Canadian Rockies, I had to say this, are more beautiful than the American Rockies. Overlooking the Acadia over in the East Coast on top of that hill looking down on the ocean there, viewing the Grand Canyon for the first time or second time or third time or fourth time. You don't get used to it. Hiking along a tropical uh, jungle path down here in 10,000 acres of Audubon. On and on it could go. Uh, God will speak to you through the things which he has made. Countless times in my life, I believe I've heard the voice of God through what he's made. What he has made is not God, however. What he has made is not God. It does not contain God. The things he's made does not somehow contain God. It is not God. It is simply a reflection of his person, his abilities, his tastes, his subtleties, and his creativity, and so many other things also. Viewing this vast, colorful array of tropical fish, when I dove in the Keys, my wife and I dove in the Keys, we dove all around Cayman Island, we dove uh, around many of the different islands in, in the Hawaiian Islands, Also, the Bahamas, um, things that would really take your breath away when you look at them. I mean, it's just hard to believe anything's that beautiful that almost nobody can look at. You know what got me when I dove on that stuff is almost nobody has ever seen this stuff. Uh, Jacques Cousteau invented the aqualung in 1948. Before that, almost nobody, except if you wore an iron hat and lead shoes, and were tethered on an air hose, which was expensive and rare. Could you ever get down there to look at that stuff? Glass-bottom boat just don't cut it. To see the corals and the, the variation of growth and plant life under there, and then the variation of fish and, and, and creatures that, describe, that defy description, uh, you see so they speak to you. They speak to you of who God is in some measure. His sense of diversity they tell you about. His sense of color. You learn without too long in in going around this world that God can put colors together that we can't. He loves, and that's why I like bright colors. I mean, people say, you know, like this morning and tonight. Because, uh, It's my best shot at doing what I see God do and I fail miserably at. His sense of style, the the way the fish are shaped, the way the birds are shaped, the shape of them, the style of them. Uh, We got this white bird that walks around here, real tall bird. and He's always white. He lives outside. I know if I wore white pants one day, they'd be ruined and we have to throw them away. But That white bird can go and, and get in the water and get in the mud and get in the outdoor, and every time you see him, he looks brilliant white. He don't just look white. He looks brilliant white. A sense of uniqueness. God's sense of uniqueness. How, I don't know, and I didn't do, I didn't do any homework on this, but you're more than welcome to how many, how many bugs there are, or they know them, many, how many insects are in the world. Now, they're finding new ones. They still find new stuff. How many variations of fish are there? How many variations of water mammals are there? How many variations of birds? How many kinds of birds are there? Uh, how many different kinds of bacteria <laughs> the micro world? How many different kinds of parasites? Lots of them. I've had a few. And uh, his combination uh, is amazing. Uh, to see. He makes stuff, God makes stuff very, very tough at the same time as very tender in it. He makes stuff delicate, but powerful. Rough, at the same time fragile. God is speaking everywhere. He is a communicator, the maker of communication and the master of communication. He's speaking everywhere, all around you and I, and he's constantly and continually seeking to reach out to us. You say, God don't care about me. Are you kidding me? Psalm 19 says it this way. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Day unto day does what? Utter a speech. That's that communication. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God said, you can't hide from me. You can't hide from me. I'm everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about that he is this, but this is an expression of who he is by what he made. God's word, God's words, if I may say, are inherently him. So consequently, the words he speaks are life because he is life. Maybe one of the hardest things Jesus had to accomplish at the crucifixion was to be careful what he said. You and I say stuff, it don't come to pass. Jesus says stuff, it comes to pass. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. In other words, he spoke into existence everything that is animate and inanimate. Visible, invisible, whether it be thrones or principalities or powers. He spoke it all into existence. So the hardest thing, I think, what the sweat and part of the sweat and the great drops of blood were, he knew what they were going to do to him, and he could not allow himself to speak except the words that his father told him to speak. Life is not something that God possesses is something he is. He told Moses in the burning bush, maybe the deepest truth you can say, he can say about himself. He says, I am. Simple, but profound. Profundity. His words are life. He spoke to to something and it became something. Actually, he spoke to nothing. Ex nihilo. Out of nothing, God made something. He made matter. And then from matter, He made the rest. Chaos heard it and became order. Darkness heard it and became light. Nothing inanimate resists God's word because it all came from Him and has no will of its own. The earth, the seas, the animals, the plants, the fish, the sky, the planets, the sun, the moon, you name it, It simply reacts to his word in absolute compliance. Think about it. We are the ones out of control. God said it was so, and it was. He said, let there be light, and there was. God is, and he is speaking to us. Two very basic theological truths. Man and angels are the only creatures he created that can resist his will. If you think about it this way, everything else is compliant to him. Except angels, some angels and man. God is speaking to every person about himself because it is the very nature of God to speak. He says in Romans chapter 1, we learn so much about how he communicates. And he says in verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Talking about people who have resisted. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. In other words, what you see tells you something about what you can't see. Even his eternal power and his Godhead. The writer of How Great Thou Art saw that, amen. That's why people like How Great Thou Art. That's why it's right up to the top five songs that people will say is some of their favorite songs. In verse 32 it said, Who knowing the judgment of God, these people that rejected Him in spite of the way He spoke to them and how He spoke to them. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Could that explain the many troubled people that live on planet Earth? They have rejected the voice of God in all of its different manifestations, they've denied it, they've reasoned it away. They've explained it away. They've substituted their own explanation for it, evolution, space aliens. Consequently, they suffer a myriad of various forms of mental and emotional ills. Is alcoholism really men trying to cover up the rejection of God's voice, trying to hide it? I know that when I was backsliding into sin, doing anything I could to please the flesh, I was into a thing called rock and roll music. And I had eight tracks. You can look them up, see what they are. And I never was anywhere that, that I didn't have those things playing. I had them in my room. I had them in my car. I had them on all the time. I went anywhere. Why? Part of it was my conscience. I didn't want to hear God. I didn't want to hear him speak. It made me feel bad. And so I covered it up. And so I listened to this all the time so I couldn't have quiet time. You know, I've, I've talked to people who say, I hate quiet time. Quiet time bothers me. When you say that to me, it bothers me. If your conscience is clear and if your sins are forgiven, washed under the blood of Christ, quiet time is some of your most favorite time I believe there's mentally ill people and have so many mentally ill problems like depression, anxiety, nervousness, fear, partially at least due to the rejection of God's voice and the denial of God's voice. If Jesus is peace and you move away from Jesus, what do you get? If Jesus is love and you move away from Jesus, what do you get? If Jesus is joy and you move away from Jesus, what do you get? Well, you don't get joy. You don't get peace. You don't get love. You get the fear and the anxiety and the depression. Now, I realize there's physiological depression and there's sometimes God allows us. He withdraws from us to allow us to experience some of those things to see where we will go when we're depressed. To see where we will go when we're anxious. To see where we will go when we have fear in the night. Where do you go? The Righteous cry and the Lord here deliver them out of all their trouble the Bible said. "Cry unto the Lord, man. That's the only place you can go. It's the only place you should go. Deep in every person's heart I believe there's a nagging and an aching fearful specter what if there is a god and what if jesus really is his son and what if there is such a thing as eternity and what if i will have what if there's a as a thing of answering for the deeds done in my body and what if there is a hell when Gary Twilliger, one of our founding members, the guy that poured all the concrete in all these three buildings, did all the work on it. Uh, Gary, uh, he died, 72 years old. He was uh, full of days, ripe old age, and uh, lived to 72. And I was privileged to be asked to do his memorial service. And I probably preached to more unsaved people, backslidden Christians. Then I'll do all in all year, all, except for the beach. And and I didn't have any, I didn't have any notes. I didn't have to have notes. God came. God came. And I took the gloves off with them. And I said, you know, if I'm right. If, if I'm wrong about life and eternity and if there is no hell, then I'm gonna die and go to oblivion. I won't even know I died. If what you believe about life and there's no life after that, you die like a dog, kind of thing, then I'll not know, I'll know just what I knew before I was born, which was what? How many here remember stuff before you were born? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> <clears throat> there is a doctor in the house, however. And so if I'm wrong about the whole thing, I'll go into oblivion and, and as if I never, then I'm in good shape. But what if I'm right? And what if those folks that deny hell and deny eternity and deny conscious existence after death, what if they're wrong? They're risking it all, aren't they? It's going to be too late when you're standing before Jesus Christ. Time for salvation's now. Time for seeking God is now. Time for crying out to God is now. Time for praising God and thanking Him for all these wonderful things He's given you. Are, it's now. Amen. You have the freedom to go either way. Go God's way. The process works something like this. A person sees and perceives the created things around him. That's They hear His voice. They testify of a highly intelligent creator and designer. And you can't deny that. Nobody in their right mind would deny that whoever created all this out there was not intelligent. That's his voice. The next logical step is that you were one of those creations that he created. That's his voice. The fact that you have a conscience that condemns you or uh, the fact that it sometimes condemns you, in fact, sometimes it says you're okay, but it's judging you constantly, testifies there must someday be a judgment. You wouldn't have a conscience if there wasn't going to be a judgment. If there's no judgment, why would you have a conscience? So the very fact you've got a conscience testifies that there's a coming day of reckoning. Then the fifth set is the specter of judgment either pushes you away from God or it pushes you towards God. If you decide that you don't like that and for whatever reason you're going to deny that, then it says in Romans three different places. He gave them up, he gave them up, and eventually he gives them over to a reprobate mind. And then... No thought of God even comes in their mind anymore. In fact, it goes the other way. If you want to know how some of these crazies out there come up with what they believe, it's because they've been given up, given up, and given over to a reprobate mind. If you go towards God, I think their choice is a reconciliation or rebellion. Which will it be? If reconciliation, God reads your heart, he speaks to you again differently, but he speaks to you again. If received, God speaks to you again, and on and on to the, the act of a conscious redemption. At birth, a whole new level of, new birth that is, a whole new level of intimate communication takes place, and we begin to actually have the Holy Spirit within us, and a whole new level of communication, remember, it's the nature of God to speak, He has a whole new level of communication that we can pray without ceasing back and forth. Then we begin to read the written word. So we have the word internally through the Holy Spirit. And then we get the written word. That's communication. So we have the internal communication. We have the external communication. And the written word excites the internal word. When I read this word, it excites the Holy Spirit in me. And, and they work together. And what's God doing is he's speaking to me. The spiritual, if I may say resonance, takes place like a tuning fork in a glass. This resonance grows or diminishes to the degree that you and I seek his speaking voice or his written word. God has never been silent to you and to me. By the way, we're to be silent and listen. Be still and know that I am God. He tells us, be still so you can hear me. You say, why doesn't God come slap you down? When you see him, ask him. It's not his method. It's a whole lot more still, small voice than a shouting voice. We're to be still, but because sometimes we're not still, we can't hear him because we're talking, we're chatting, we're texting, we're watching TV, we're playing video games, listening to worldly music, or a thousand other interferences to the speaking voice of God. But he's always speaking. He speaks night, and he speaks day. He speaks us at the sunrise, and he speaks to us at the sunset. He speaks to us in the thunderstorms, he speaks to us in the rain. He speaks to us in the hurricanes, he speaks to us in the calm. As I mentioned before, how great thou already says, O oh Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. And I like this verse, verse 2. When through the woods and forest glades I wander. And hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. What is the conclusion of the matter? How great thou. That's what it is. God is speaking. I want to be listening. Many, the Bible says in Matthew 22, 14, um, uh, uh, is what I call one of those mysterious verses. Many are called, but few chosen. I know the Bible says that he calls on everybody. He's the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That's that first chapter of John. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And there's other verses He's not willing that one of the least of these old ones should perish and so many other places. So I know that God speaks to everyone. Many are called, but few chosen. What's that mean? What's that mean? Could it mean that those who respond to his voice by listening are chosen? The, list, the speaking voice of God is to everyone. The sun comes up in the morning and speaks of his grandeur and majesty. It's sunset at night does the same thing. Sometimes those the most beautiful sunsets we have over here. Now think about the East Coast. They don't get sunsets. They get sunrise. Half of you never, never be able to see that. But the sunset, we get it. Woo! We don't do too good of an Easter sunrise service here. Because we don't have that sunrise coming up and it would be beautiful when we get to sunset, God's speaking. So everybody's called to God. Everybody's called. Some choose to listen and those that choose to listen, God chooses them. Many are called, but few are chosen. You cannot be saved if you don't listen to God in his speaking voice and in his written word. I like what Samuel said Speak for thy servant heareth. That's all he had to say. Speak for thy servant heareth. Oh, Eli, even though he was backslid and pretty bad shape, <clears throat> knew something about the speaking voice of God. And he told little Samuel, he said, Go back. And you just tell him, speak for thy servant heareth. When God comes by your house, speak, Lord. Now, we got a choice. Every time God speaks, you can say yes and comply or no and resist. Resistance, God speaks less. Compliance, God speaks more. That's what it means by they that seek him early shall find him. They that seek him diligently, they that listen and respond and listen and respond and listen and respond and listen and respond, respond, God is growing them. But those who listen, I don't really want that. I'm not ready for that. They wonder even if there is a God pretty soon. as as they have done despite to the Spirit of grace. Because remember, when God speaks to you to save you, that's the best thing anybody ever could do for you. He loves you. He gave Himself for you. He wants you to be saved. When our brother gave the invitation this morning, that was God the Holy Spirit one more time waving through the group of people. Respond to read my word. Respond, and then God says, "Yes, yes." That's what it means to pursue God. Pursue him. Start it starts small and grows. God comes by your house. When he comes by. And many of you here are in different stages of your Christian experience of listening to the speaking voice of God. And as you continually respond to that speaking voice, and sometimes that speaking voice asks for really radical obedience. Not all the time does he ask for radical obedience. He asks for obedience that's reasonable. But once in a while... He asked for radical obedience. Now, you want to really grow and know God and who He is? When he asks for radical obedience, go ahead and move to California. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. You're leaving us, your buddies. You're leaving your mom and dad. That's as low as it goes, man. In their old age. They are old. His mama's not good help. That's radical obedience. I'm almost almost jealous at what's going to happen. Because what I know of God is this, that if you'll respond in a radical way, He responds in a real radical way. To whom much is given which is required, but also much reward. I remember in 1992 when uh, the deacon board asked me to consider being a pastor of the church. I'd been assistant pastor for 11 and a half, almost 12 years under Pastor McKinney. And pastor McKinney was having some Alzheimer's. We didn't know that because we didn't know he had Alzheimer's. He died of Alzheimer's. We didn't know that. But he was having some problems, mental problems. And, uh, it became more and more obvious as time went on. He was struggling. Naomi would come to me and say, Pastor's struggling. He can't keep going. He can't keep going. And the deacon, head of the deacon board, came to me and said, uh, Bill, we'd like you to consider being a senior pastor here. I'll be honest with you. I said, look, can we pray about that for about six months? And I said, I'll pray about it. You pray about it. Uh, and they said, well, we want you to, pray. I said, well, I'll preach every, every Sunday night, and I'm going to preach everything I believe that the Bible teaches. Every crazy thing, but I'll preach everything I believe the Bible teaches. And I figured, you know, at the end of three four months, they'd say, you know, we made a mistake. We really don't want you. Because I couldn't imagine God doing that, and I said, God, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And there was a degree of brokenness and radical obedience that I went through. I sent my real estate license, my appraiser license, and all that stuff back to the state. It took me a long, hard work to get that stuff. And I said, I'll do it. I told the people, I'll do it. I don't believe I'll really have anything to say past about a year because I really only know enough Bible to really preach about a year, and after that, you may have to get somebody else, but I'll do a year. They said, well, whatever, preacher. Radical obedience, the voice of God, creates a radical response from God. I personally am amazed how God has spoken, and spoken, and spoken, and spoken. And keep speaking. And brother Chris Barrows, young guy like him, if he became a senior pastor, he'd probably say, I only got six months worth of the Bible I can tell these people. But you know the God that knows all the Bible. And it would humble you and break you that you would be asked to do something like that. And yet the God is pleased Pleased with people who are willing to listen to his voice and obey it. All I can encourage you tonight is when God comes by and speaks to you, you, go, here am I, Lord. Send me, like Isaiah said. Or like Samuel. I'm here. I'm your servant. Father, help us tonight to be able to understand the speaking voice of God. It's of the very nature of God to speak. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God. Father, we pray that the Word of God tonight may effectively go. We pray for Brother uh, Dr. Crabb and his uh, willingness to be radically obedient to his own hurt, to his own pain, to his own demise. Do a mighty work which literally none of us could imagine. Save a bunch of souls. Do great mighty things which we know not. Help us. The person tonight just says, I'll do that bus route. I don't want to give up my Sunday mornings. I don't want to give up my Sunday afternoons. <clears throat> but Jesus is whispering to you, Jesus is calling. Calling, oh bus captain. Come home. Come on. Do it. I want you to go get them boys and girls. For me. And you say radically, Lord, I die to myself, I die to my Sundays, I die to my lunches, I die to my breakfasts, I die to my conveniences, and I give it to you because you died for me. And then get ready because God's going to come. And the manifest presence of God is going to come all over you. Dear one, when God asks you to do something, be privileged enough, have enough sense, say, Yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. Father, help us tonight. Help us obey your speaking voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida.